0: For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at CityWalkChurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, CityWalk Church. How are we doing this morning? All right. I was. I, I said yesterday on Facebook. I shared our post, our church's post, and I said, uh, I remember, and, and some of you remember this too. Remember when? Uh, you you got to church early every single Sunday. So we this week we had an hour difference. But if you grew up the way I did, you were at church for Sunday school. You probably had like pre Sunday school, Sunday school like like seven in the morning. There was like a men's breakfast you went to. And so for us, even even an hour difference isn't isn't quite what it used to be uh, back. I mean we were I grew up in a family where if it was uh, if the doors of the church were open and they were open a lot. Our family, we were there and we had our row and and we were there bright and early with smiles on our faces and socks on our feet because my dad would not let me wear shoes without socks because that was extremely ungodly to do. Uh, And so we had all those kind of things. But uh, if you were my counselor, I'd tell you more about that. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, But as you you probably already know, uh, in our family, we have three kids. Uh, we have two high schoolers, and then we have uh, a six-year-old. We have a, a kindergartner. And so we're, we're the classic family, the story of, yeah, we had our two, and then uh, didn't plan on having another one. And yes, you, we know how everything works, and, and it happened. And uh, we, we ended up having another one, which we're obviously extremely thankful for. But if you uh, are a parent of a little one or you're a grandparent, you know that when you have a little kid, and for us it's Kate, Basically, what Kate has done for us is she has reentered us into a lot of the child's kind of culture, TV shows, games, and so we, we thought we were done with that, but then we had Kate, and if you're a grandparent, you, you understand that. Basically, what we find ourselves doing now is we watch shows like Curious George, we watch Little Einstein, we watch Sesame Street, shows we thought we were done with. And again, if you have little kids, you understand some of the the Disney shows that you thought you were done with and you remember as a child, now you're like singing the songs along with your kids and, and you're watching them with them. Uh, If you uh, have a little kid, you're also pulling out some books that you probably put up on the shelf and maybe books that you read when you were a kid, some of the Dr. Seuss and and you're pulling those books out and they're some of the favorites and so kind of you're getting reintroduced to some of your favorite stories. You're also, if you have little kids, you kind of get reintroduced to some of your favorite games as a kid. Uh, and so, if you you remember back all the way back to when you were playing on a playground, six, seven, eight years old, you you played games like Duck Duck Goose, and and you know you did that whole thing. And there was always Simon Says and Red Rover. Loved Red Rover because you you know run through and break somebody's arm on the way through. And, and you played that. You always there was tag. But then there was this all time favorite game. That every kid knew how to play and every teacher probably used at some point in the classroom and it was called Follow the Leader. And uh, if you remember back to, to when you were a kid or try to imagine yourself on a playground... And you're on your elementary age playground and your your teacher says, hey, we're about to play a game and it's going to be called follow the leader and I want everybody to line up behind me and you're going to do what I do and and try to do exactly the way I do it and follow the leader. And so you line up and and of course you want to be the first one behind the teacher because that's like the most important place and so everybody's fighting for that spot. But then everybody ends up getting lined up. And you start walking behind your teacher and 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 she does, you know, moves her arms and you start to move your arms and, and the first few things your teacher does, everybody's pretty close. But then what happens is after a few minutes and after a few different moves, the the it starts to break down a little bit. And 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 the moves in the back of the line don't they look kind of similar to the front of the line and the teacher, but, but before you know it, some of the moves in the back like they are starting to look nothing like what the teachers, you know, moves are. And then all of a sudden some kids just get frustrated break off and they make their own line. And, and so now you have, instead of one teacher and one line and everybody kind of following behind the teacher doing what the teacher does, now you have five or six different lines of four or five kids, and, and they're still looking at the teacher a little bit and kind of doing some similar moves, but, but pretty much it's just getting to be chaotic. And, and then you're, you're on the, maybe on the outside, and you're trying to get on the playground, and all you see is a lot of confusion. And a lot of chaos. And before you know it, nobody's really looking like the teacher and what the teacher was doing. And now everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And it gets kind of confusing. And it gets really complicated. Does that sound familiar? Because, yeah, that, that plays out on a playground. But that actually has played out in the church. Very similar. See, what started as simply following the leader, following Jesus and being kind of doing what he does and loving the way he loves and having compassion the way he had compassion and, and just really following his teachings in the first century ha- has turned out to be a lot like what I just described to you. And now now 2,000 years later, the church in some ways has gotten kind of complicated At times, it's confusing and even destructive because it doesn't always look like what it was supposed to look like when it started by following Jesus. And over the last few weeks, we have tried to kind of peel back a lot of what was complicated and a lot of what we've helped complicate and just look at, hey, when Jesus was on earth, what was Jesus all about? And Jesus, if you read through the Gospels, whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're even skeptical of faith and maybe you've still spent some time in some of the, like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, if you read through the Gospels, here's what you see. Jesus was all about relationships. He he was about really three main relationships, and if you look at any story in the Gospels, you can connect each of those stories to one of these three relationships. And the first relationship is is his relationship with God. And so you see throughout the Gospels that Jesus' relationship with his Father was really important to him. He had a desire to have an intimate relationship with his Father. And so he spent time with his Father because it was very important to him. But then you see another relationship and it's his relationship with his disciples. And so Jesus, if you look through the, the Gospels, you'll see that Jesus spent a lot of time really pouring into that relationship. And, and then the last relationship that you'll, you'll find as you kind of look into the Gospels, you'll, you'll find that Jesus had a relationship with people that didn't believe. And Jesus, in fact, he kind of, uh, people didn't like him for this, and he was kind of misunderstood in some ways. He spent a lot of time with people that weren't his followers And he had a relationship with those people as well. And so what we've done, and it kind of only makes sense, if Jesus Christ was all about relationships, and he was all about a relationship with God, a relationship with other believers, in his case the disciples, and a relationship with the world, then if we're going to be a follower of Jesus, then we should probably be about what Jesus was about. And so we've talked about how uh, over the last few weeks we've, we've talked about that first relationship and the relationship that we should have with God and how important it was to Jesus and how important it should be to us. And so we talked about how, how Jesus loved his father, he knew his father, and he did his father's will. And so for us, we want to know God. Because as we know God, we love God. And then out of the Kind of overflow of intimacy with God, we obey him it's just kind of the fruit of intimacy, so we talked about that, and then last week, we began to discuss that second relationship that was so important to Jesus, and it was the relationship he had with other people that were believers or followers and we said this, and maybe you can relate whether you were here last week or not, and you know this. Whether we like this or not, this is true. When we start a relationship with God, we also start a relationship with his family. So when you married your spouse, whether you like the family that came with, you got the family with. And that's just the way it is. And, and, and that's kind of the way it is in, in the, the family of God. Man, when you started a relationship with God, we all came with him. And you're like, I know, and that's why it took me so long to start a relationship with God. I was a little afraid of you guys. Uh, and, and rightfully so. But seriously, so when, when we start a relationship with God, we start a relationship with his family. And, and where we know down deep in our heart that, you know what, it's important that we be in community. Like, like we know that down deep in our hearts, even if we say like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of my own person. Like we know deep down like we need other people. We need other people in our lives. We want other people in our kids' lives. So we need that. But, but in some cases, specifically as it relates to the family of God, we kind of do a straight arm. Like, it's kind of like, I'll come sit in a row on Sunday, but I am not going to tie too tight into the community. And we have some good reasons. For the first reason, and this really isn't a good reason, but it's reality, is for some of us, it's, it's kind of our pride. Like, like, we're not a huge fan of people knowing we don't have it all together. And so, man, I can come and sit in a row every week for years and fake you out. But if I kind of tie in a little tighter to the family, somebody's going to figure out that I don't have it all together. And I don't necessarily like that. And so in some, for some of us, we just don't ever tie in because we don't want that to happen. Others, for others, you, you've been genuinely hurt. Like we have some folks in our, know, we've talked, me and you, we've talked in some of the stories that are even in this room. There are some people in this room that have had some jacked up stuff done to them in the name of Jesus over the last decade or two. And, and for them to even be sitting in this room and to be brave enough to interact with the family of God again, is huge for them. Because they've had some stuff done to them in the name of Jesus that Jesus would have never signed his name to. And they've been legitimately hurt. And so for some of us, that's that's why we say, you know what, I'm I'm okay to kind of get tied, but I'm not gonna get tied in too tight because I've been hurt really bad in the past. And and then for, for some, it might just be if we're honest, we think, honestly, Christians are weird. And I mean, I'll come sit in a row, but man, there's some weird folks out there, and I do not want to tie in too tight. All you have to do is look at our t-shirts, bumpers, stickers, and signs. Like, like look at some of the t-shirts that we put out. Do you like this one? Uh, Catch up with Jesus, blessed from my head to my toes. Really? is So this is a bumper sticker. Elect Jesus, your life leader. All right, that's cool. Man, I'm good. let's get four or five of those and put them on. Now, some of our signs, you, you read this and you think, man, like we give the world so much material to make fun of us. Some of the things we put out and, and we put our name on, man, it's like, uh, no wonder people think we're a little weird because we are. We put out some weird stuff. And so no matter what what it is for you, whether it was, hey, I was legitimately hurt, or honestly, I'm a little bit proud, I don't want to tie in too tight, or maybe you've been just kind of keeping at a distance because you're like, I've been to some weird places, and I don't know that I want to tie in too tight. All those things are not new in 2020. Jesus made a really big deal of relationships with his community, and if you look at his community... Have you read about the disciples? Have you read about some of the dysfunction and some of the, just the things that were going on in their life and some of the mistakes they made and some of the things they said that they shouldn't have said? And there, there was a lot of the same stuff, but yet Jesus made a really big deal out of his relationships with other followers, with his disciples, and he put a huge focus on it. And then when Jesus left after Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave and, and he left earth to go to heaven, you, you see the same thing. You see that his church, the people that were his followers, they made a really big deal of community. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts. It'll be here in a second. It'll be up on the screen, and then it'll, it's also in your app. But if you were to look at, at Jesus' followers in, the, in that early church, before Jesus left... He, he told his followers basically this. He said, hey, I want you to take what you've seen. You've seen me die and rise from the dead, and I want you to go tell people about it. I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to tell people what you've seen. And so they did. They did what Jesus said. And, and before you know it, and literally on some days, thousands of people believed and so this, this group that was Jesus' followers, that he was tied into real tight, that, that were focused on that relationship with him, and he was focused on his relationship with them, before you know it, that little group has now become thousands of people. And, and what we see is we look at this, this young church that starts with just these crowds of people, you see that there's a natural movement toward community, that All these people, nobody got up and said, hey, we should probably start doing community. Is there a book we can read about that? No, it just started to happen. And there's a lot we can learn from the early church as we seek to kind of follow in Jesus' steps and be tied into our relationship with other people. Look at the first thing. The first thing we see is, and this is an example that the early church gave us, we need others to grow in intimacy with God. Acts 2.42, it says this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and, and the prayers. That word devoting, it means to remain steadfast, to continue in. And So what did they actually devote themselves to? It says that these thousands of people, they, they started to gather together and they began to devote themselves to teaching. They began to devote themselves to fellowship with each other, to breaking bread, to prayer, to spending time with each other. They began to devote themselves toward this. See, what's interesting is what happened in the early church is the same thing that happens to us, is we have a relationship with God that then ties us into a family And then we spend time with our family, and that actually helps us grow in our intimacy with God. And it's just cool how God does that. And that's what happened. So these people started by you know, thousands of people and now they, they start to come together in these smaller groups and they, they begin to devote themselves to teaching and to prayer and to just fellowship and breaking bread together. And before you know it, these small gatherings that are in houses become a movement that literally touches the ends of the earth. And it's just, just their example. And one of the things that you see is Because this was new for a lot of these people. I mean, most of these people, they had grown up with one way of believing, they had grown up with kind of one way of doing doing faith, and now this whole thing was new. But yet as they they met God and they, they started a relationship with God, there was this natural bent and movement into a community of other believers. And there's a phrase that you'll see that Jesus used, that John used, that Mark, Paul, I mean, you, you, any of them, they all use this one phrase as they talked about the family of God and the importance of the community and the, the impact of the community. And the, the, the phrase that they used over 40 times in the New Testament is one another. You, you'll see that phrase used by most of the authors of the New Testament And it's used to describe a right relationship with God's family. You'll hear it used like this. Be at peace with one another. Give preference to one another. Be kind to one another. Build one another up. Do not complain against one another. Clothe yourself in humility toward one another. And it's these statements of one another that is what is really describing How we are to live with other followers of Jesus in his kingdom. How we're supposed to prefer others. And as we do that, as we're in relationship with other believers, here's what God does. He uses that relationship to grow our relationship with him. And I said this last week, that there's just some things that we will never learn. And there's some things we will never grow in apart from our relationship with other people that love Jesus. Like if we decide I'm just going to do this thing on my own, there's just some things that we're saying right up front, I'll just never learn some things. Because there's some things that I can only learn as I'm sharpened by other people that love Jesus. And, and here's how we usually think that, uh, of that. So Chris, you're talking about like the healthy relationships, right? Like, the, yeah, okay, I can see, like, the, the healthy relationships, like, the, the ones in the family of God that are characterized by love and by honesty and by encouragement and trust. Absolutely, I can see how God could use that to really grow my relationship with him, and I'm so thankful for those relationships, but that's not what it's really saying. Yeah, does God use those? But you know what else God uses? He uses some of the tougher relationships in the family of God. Does anybody have, I mean, I know our church is perfect, but um, the other churches that you've been a part of, there's actually some unhealthiness in church. Why? Because there's some unhealthiness in every single one of us. And so what, what's cool is God's not saying, hey, you know what, really stay away from anybody that doesn't, isn't like perfect. And that you don't trust 100% and isn't always nice to you. No, the family of God, the healthy and even some of the unhealthy relationships, God uses to grow us. And probably, unfortunately, in some cases, God uses some of the tougher relationships to grow us more than the relationships that are more healthy. And I wish it wasn't true, but it just is. And, and here's why. Why? Many times when we have conflict in the family of God because of someone else's selfishness, God uses it to show us areas we need to grow in as well. Roy Hessian, he said it this way. He said, again and again, we see that the thing in us that reacts so sharply to another selfishness and pride is simply our own selfishness and pride, which we are unwilling to sacrifice That does not mean that we must accept another selfishness as God's will for them, far from it, but only as God's will for us. And so it's it's just interesting how God can use some of the tough times in the family that we would, if we're honest, would really like to avoid totally. And like, I want to interact, I want people like in my small group that are all really healthy I want to be really healthy, and I just want it to always be like kumbaya, let's sing the hallelujah chorus, everything's great. But none of us are going to grow if that's the case, because God uses relationships with other believers, even ones that we would avoid, to grow us. As we learn to react to someone else's selfishness and pride and arrogance, unforgiveness, as we, we learn to handle that in a way that pleases God, we actually grow in our relationship with God maybe more than when things are really healthy. And, and you know what? This is hard personally, but you know when it gets really hard? When it's your, some, somebody's messing with your kids. You know what I'm saying? And here's, here's what I mean. I had a conversation this morning, actually. When, when someone's selfishness hurts your kid and i'm not talking physically like somebody physically hurts your kid that's a whole different thing but but you, you know how it is like when someone says something to your kid or is selfish toward your kid or, or does something that hurts your kids feeling or leaves them out and it's it's somebody in the family of god you know what you want to tell your kid to do probably something you're not allowed to say from the stage at a church but but you have to say you know what you know what what would Jesus do in this case? Like, what? how would Jesus react to this situation? And how can we grow in our relationship with Jesus even through this tough thing, even through this, you know, the, this, this thing that kind of hurt your feelings? How can we grow and not return evil for evil? And, and that's a tough thing to do personally, but especially when it's, is, he's saying, you know what, I want to use relationships with other people in the family To deepen my relationship with you. And so lean in. And that's what he did with the early church. And we, we see that. We learn from their example. But another thing we see from the early church. And really can learn from their example is this. We need others to walk through the ups and downs of life. I mean isn't it. Honestly isn't it an evidence of God's grace to you. And to me that he puts people in your life. So that when the times aren't great. That there's people there that love you and support you and are speaking truth and and good things into your life. And it's it's a way that God's saying, hey, I love you and I want to show you my grace by putting these people in your life. And he puts these people in our life to help us and to walk us through the ups and downs. And that's what happened in the early church. Look at verse 44 of Acts chapter 2. It says this, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing them, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. See, many of these early Christians, and if you study this at all, like like today, if you start a relationship with Jesus, nobody, probably, probably nobody today, if you decided today's the day I'm gonna step over the line of faith and follow Jesus, you're probably not gonna lose your job, you're probably not gonna get kicked out of your family. Maybe you would, but in most, in most cases, like nothing really tough is going to happen to you when you leave here as a follower of Jesus. Well, well, these people, when they some of them, when they became a follower of Jesus, man, there was huge ramifications financially, in their families, there was a lot of ramifications. And so what was happening is these believers were gathering. They were gathering in large groups and in small groups. And what would happen is a need would come up, somebody that, that wasn't going to have what they needed, and instead of saying, hey, let's put them on the prayer list, and uh, let's all be praying, because they're in a really rough spot, and we really want to see them not be in a rough spot, so let's make sure all of our groups are praying for them. No, it's like, okay, well, how can we pull some resources together to, to take care of that for them? And that's just what they did. They saw, man, there's a need in our community of believers. And when the community became aware of it, they didn't say, you know, hey, I hope you can figure it out or God bless you and we'll pray for that. Good luck. No, they did something about it to the point where they're like, you know what? I don't need that TV. I'll just sell that and that'll actually help me meet that need. I don't need this, or yeah, that's not really that important to me. And so let me go ahead and get rid of that and take those funds and and put those towards this need because this is my family and I'm here to help meet the needs of this family. And that's what you see. And there was this genuine and sacrificial love for each other that was an expression of Christ in them. It was beautiful. The the scriptures tell us, and we've talked about this verse in the past, is it says this in John 13, that by this, all people will know, this is Jesus speaking, that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus said, actually, what you're doing as a a young church, this early church, what you're doing, this is actually the thing that's going to tell the rest of the world that you're my followers, because the rest of the world is watching how you love each other, and how you love each other is the megaphone that's telling the world that you're a follower of mine. And, and as, you, as you think about, because again, early church, probably nobody that you know right now is like, you know, losing job or, or, you know, getting kicked out of the family. So how do we take what was written a few thousand years ago and apply it? There's a couple questions we need to ask ourselves. Just ask yourself this. When was the last time I was meeting needs in the body of Christ? Like, as you're connected to God's family, is there, can you remember back to where, you know what? Yeah, I can remember fairly recently where there was a time where there was somebody that was hurting or there was a need. And, man, we were able to, in a small way, just help help be a part of that solution. It, it, because, I mean, you, you know how it is. It might be my family that's hurting this week, but it might be your family that's hurting next week. And so we all have the ups and downs. And man, when I'm up, I hope that I'm helping. And when I'm down, I hope there's somebody there to help. And, and that's what this church did. And and so we, we ask ourselves, so is there any time and recently that I can remember really helping meet the needs of people? I've watched this at, at CityWalk happen incredibly. I remember the one thing that stands out to me, I was going into a meeting, and this was a few months ago, and uh, we were going into a meeting with probably eight or nine of us, and right before the meeting, we found out, and Jack's not here today, that Jack was in the hospital. Jack's a, a young guy, comes to our church, that he was in the hospital, and for some reason, I had gotten put in his City Group's Facebook Messenger, like, thread, and so right before this meeting started, yeah, right, Jack's in the hospital. And literally, my phone, that whole meeting, and some of you were at this meeting, like just blowing up, all the, like, like, goodness, and I turn it over after the meeting, and there's like 30 or 40 different messages inside that city group, just say, like, Jack, what can I bring you, you know, we're going to come visit here, and just just helping, how can I help, how can I bring, what can I bring to you, to the point where I was like, happy and annoyed. Like, I deleted myself out of the group because I'm like, I love that you're doing this, but I don't want to know about everything you're doing because you're blowing up my phone. But I was so happy because, man, these people, nobody told them, hey, you're supposed to help him out. It's just that's what they naturally did because they were in a community together. And Pastor Steve and I, the next day, we went to see Jack because we love him, but we didn't go because he needed us to go. Like, he probably needed a break. From people visiting him, but we, we love Jack enough and we we's like we wanna go see Jack make sure he's okay. But it was awesome to watch as his group just came around him and, and just saw a need and dove in and Jack's a new to faith. He got baptized just a few months ago here at City Walk and it's just awesome to watch that in action. And I could go on and on and tell you about different situations. Some that were publicized and some that weren't where people in this body saw a need made a sacrifice and met a need and it's happened over and over and over and so one of the questions we need to ask ourselves as we think about our relationship to the body is man am i meeting needs within the body of christ And, and then secondly am i using the gifts that i have to serve the body of christ every single believer If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been grace gifted with gifts. You've also been given talents and abilities and passions. And what I find sometimes is is people that are followers of Jesus take these God-given gifts and use them all week to make money, but then sit on the sidelines when it comes to the body of Christ. And it's like, actually, God gave you this gift to use in the body of Christ, but some of us, you th- some of us think, and, and I get it, some of us think, well, if I can't, you, you kind of have a picture, like there's three things I can do. If I could stand up and talk, then that, okay, I could use that, or if I could sing, I could probably do that, but, but no, 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 what are you passionate about? Like, what are you good at? There's some natural things that you do that you're passionate about, that you're good at, that God's gifted you in, and he gifted you in those things. Yes, so you could bless the world, but also so you could use those things in his kingdom and for the furtherance of his kingdom in his body. And and so we see at this early church, we see that their relationship with each other really helped them grow in their relationship with God. We also see that they met each other's needs in, in a way that was unheard of and continued to really propel the movement forward. But the last thing that we learn from their example is this. We need others to accomplish the mission. If you you look at verse 46 and 47, it says this. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. See, if you, if you were to track through all of the Gospels, any time that the Great Commission was given, or you know, Jesus' command to go reach the world, he never gave it in a singular fashion. It was always given to a plural. It was always given to a you, to a group. And what he did is he gave this command to make disciples to a community called the church. And, and, and here's, here's what's interesting. You see, this church like, like we have all this stuff. Like we have this, we, we read about all this stuff, it's all written down. This early church, they didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the all the epistles. They didn't have all that. So, so what was happening to them is they, they were receiving Jesus they were getting connected into a group and they they were they were going to the temple together kind of a large group and then they would go to these houses and and it was just part of their life and birth out of community was mission like they didn't sit down in a class and say hey we probably should figure out how to expand this thing and let's come up with a five part strategy to expand what's happening no they just did what was natural. They got into community, and what, was hap- what, what happened is the mission was the overflow of the community. Like, as they were together, all, all of a sudden, stuff started happening outside of the community. Uh, in our group this past week, I remember just in our small group at our house, like, even some of the discussions that were taking place in our small group were about, hey, I have this neighbor that I don't think knows Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to try to help and do something. And there's just different people in our group that just out of the, the normal conversations that we were having, we didn't sit down with the idea of, hey, let's talk about how we can reach our neighbors. It just naturally came out of discussion in the community. And so the mission becomes an overflow of the community. I wrote this in my notes. If the kingdom is not being expanded as a result of us living in community, then it's not biblical community. Like, if we're just getting together and nothing is happening for the kingdom outside of our little coffee group, then it might be a great coffee group, but it's not necessarily biblical community. Because naturally, what should overflow from Biblical community is mission. It should just happen. See, relationships, I wrote this, relationships in God's family are to be a testimony to the world about the difference Jesus makes. And so here, let let me close up by asking some questions. And I I want you to just think about, the, the first two questions are pretty easy. First one is this. Do you need other Jesus followers in your life? Like, that's a pretty easy one. Like, oh, yeah, I probably could use a couple people in my life that could encourage me. So, so yeah, that one's pretty easy. The second one, and, and don't be bashful here, do other Jesus followers need you in their life? Yes, the answer is yes. Like, God, has, if you're a follower of Jesus and there's other people probably even in this room that, you, that need you, like that, that you're going to do something and say something, encourage them, in a way that maybe nobody else can and so man the first question do do we need other jesus followers yes do other jesus followers need us and here's the tough question and this is the the question that we debate in our heads for a lot of different things what is the harm to you and your family if you don't lean into biblical community so we asked this question forever. You asked this question this morning dealing with harms. And here's what I mean. Like when you woke up this morning, your alarm went off. And you had a decision to make. Like if I press snooze one time. Is it gonna harm? I mean, is there really gonna be much harm? Like, am I gonna be late? And, and you made a decision, probably hit that snooze button because you're like, you know what? The harm that is there for me and this sleep, the sleep's more important than maybe the harm of being a little late. So you maybe hit the you hit the snooze button, and then maybe it went off again, and and now the harm was a little greater because you were the time was getting a little tighter, and so you again in your mind very quickly made the decision like can I hit it one more time and still it not, not really hurt the time and you made that decision this morning you, you've also probably have you ever you know your, your tank in the cars down to E and we've done this and, and we've been on the side of the road because of this at times but, but, but you see that it's on E and you're, you know that one gas station is right here but it's the most expensive gas station in town and so you and you've had the conversation in your head, maybe you even out loud with your spouse, and you say, you know what? I think we can make it. I, I, yeah, I think if we pass this, the the harm isn't going to be great because I really think we have enough gas to get to the other. But or there's been other times when it's like, dude, we're on fumes right now. I don't care if it's ten bucks a gallon. If we don't stop here, it's going to get painful really quick. And so we're stopping. And so we do this all the time. We evaluate the, the harm of not towards, you know, we, we do that. And so you have to evaluate that for, for the, okay, what's the harm if we as a family decide not to lean into biblical community? What's the harm for our marriage? Is there any harm? What's the harm for maybe our kids' development? what what's the harm for our finances our legacy and maybe maybe the best person to ask isn't you but the you 10 years from now like what's the harm if we decide to you know what not really get into biblical community like what could that do to our kids or our marriage is there a harm and and, and if there's no harm then you're good like if you, if you evaluate that and say, you know what, how things are going now, it's good and, and, and it's not going to harm kids or marriage, like everything's going to work out great just the way we're doing it now, then you're good. But if you look at it and say, you know what, if we don't take a, a step and maybe lean into community the way Jesus made it a priority, yeah, that's, that's not going to be good for our marriage. And, and man, it's probably not going to maybe benefit our kids or, you know, it just, there's some things there that, man, we need some, some godly people to speak into our kids' lives. And we think that's important. And so, man, we're going to lean in a little bit. And so we have to evaluate and that's everybody's personal. Like nobody, and some of you, you grew up in a, in a kind of religion that told you like, here's the seven things you need to do. And if you do these seven things, you're good. It's all going to work out. Every relationship's going to be great. Your kids are going to turn out great. It's all good. And we're some of those kids that didn't turn out good. Like we're the one, like our, our parents believed that. Now we, we went through some crazy years because that, that seven things that we have to do isn't necessarily the, the thing that's going to help us. But the thing that we all know, because Jesus made a big deal of it is, you know what? Like we probably need some relationships in our lives that we need to lean into that are probably going to help us and so we have to take a step and so what what does that look like and again if if you evaluate that and you're like i've, I've kind of looked 10 years down the road and i've thought through this and thought you know what we're good or if, if you're like me you're like hey i look 10 years down the road and i i can see how man leaning in a little bit more might help in some areas of my life then then take a next step Maybe for you, a next step is, hey, man, I'm just going to kind of plug my kids into youth group. And it doesn't have to be our youth group, but maybe you say, hey, I just need to, I want, I want some godly, passionate adults to speak into my kids a little bit more. Or maybe for you, it's, hey, we've, we've been kind of the city group thing, kind of putting that off, we're, we're going to go ahead and dive into that, or we're going to get on a team and serve with some folks. Or, or here's a thing that you probably never thought you'd hear from me. Maybe it's, we got to go find another church. Because scripture is pretty clear that community and relationships with other believers is important and healthy. And if CityWalk isn't the church that I can do that in, then our next step as a family might be to go find another church that we can say, yes, we can get all in and get the kids involved and we, we can do that. Because that's what's healthy. That's what the scriptures say. And so I'll end with these couple statements. God's best for you involves a relationship with him and a relationship with his family. And so my encouragement to me and to you is step into God's best because God has a best for all of us. And part of that best is obviously a relationship with him, but it's also... The the relationships that he wants us to have with other believers that he's put into our lives, that he's put into our kids' lives to be a blessing to them and to be an encouragement to them. And so step into what is God's best because that's what Jesus was about. He was about relationships. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for our time together and I thank you for the example that the early church gave us of. a a, a group of people that they didn't have all the answers they didn't know all the theology they didn't have the bible to read like we have but they knew they had a relationship with you and they knew they needed a relationship with other followers of you and so god they they leaned in they sacrificed they spent time together And you took what what happened in that community and and you literally took your gospel, your good news around the world. And God, I pray for each of us that we would just be people that remain sensitive to you. And God, that that you, we, we ask that you would bring godly influences and godly friends into our kids' lives. God, we pray that you would bring into our life people that we could sharpen and that would sharpen us to love and know you. And God, I pray if there's a step that we need to take, any of us, Lord, if there's just a small step that we need to take to, to maybe better lean into what your best is for us, I pray that we would just be willing to do that. And God, I, our desire is that in this city, in this region, that hundreds and thousands of people would begin a relationship with you because they see how your body loves each other in a way they can't even imagine. And Lord, we, we know that's what happened in the early church. And God, we just ask that you would help us to follow your example and the example of the early church. In Jesus' name, amen.